This week on Back the Grid, we're going to be talking about maybe the biggest news story there's ever been in F1. That's right, Haas have got a new livery, and also a driver's move teams or something. Hello everyone, welcome to Back at the Grid. I'm Chris, joined again by Stu, he's back. Hi. And Tom's here as well. Hello. <laughs> and Tom's here. <laughs> and I'm here. Yeah, that was a bit dismissive, wasn't it? I'm always here. It's a given it's, at this point. It's Sunday, it's the daytime, we're recording a podcast, everything just feels weird. Yeah. Um, does anyone else feel like they've had a sort of fever dream over the last few days? Like, it's been the most bonkers few days for f1 news it's every time i go skiing something like, i remember like i was skiing when um, well i was snowboarding when um uh mercedes released like the side podless car and everyone like yeah i didn't have much internet because i'm on a mountain and yeah you can't see what's going on it's just like whoa 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 what 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 mm. kind of thing you really want yeah, to you like, always come back like, your whole anything. <laughs> yeah like and then yeah too. this this i mean the world's just gone mad the world's a mad the world is mad right now yeah inform me the one like it's crazy two two massive pieces of news for this episode that i have real real opinions about <laughs> so <laughs> opinions I'm will be to into this. <laughs> yeah i mean obviously we're going to start with lewis hamilton's joining ferrari that's not a sentence i ever thought i would say like it's something that's always been like talked about as a kind of wouldn't that be funny in a parallel universe kind of thing and it still feels weird to be saying as a fact it's bizarre. It's, and, the, and I say this a lot about things that happen in Formula One, but I think for the first time, like saying it's bizarre for this <laughs> is probably the most, it's the most bizarre thing to ever happen, I think, in Formula One. Like yeah. Just, I just can't, it kind of came out of nowhere. And uh, I, I, my, even now, even days later, <laughs> I still can't fathom like how this has come about and the, some of the logics are hopefully between us in this episode, we can, we can yeah. kind of figure some of this out and, sort of make sense of it all the fact that it happened so fast as well like i was waiting for a train at about 9 a.m when i first saw like there's this rumor circling around and by 7 p.m the same day it was all confirmed like to yeah. go from I was, no I was, inkling I, of it to confirmed in like what 10 hours i honestly when you guys were messaging me about it i honestly thought it was just gonna blow over and just be a load of yeah. clickbaity nonsense i thought yeah, oh here yeah. we go again quiet news in formula <laughs> one at the moment everyone's someone's looking for some clicks because well, it always has been one of those stories hasn't it? it's like oh it's a bit quiet at the moment let's just wheel out the hamilton to ferrari yeah. news story again, yeah because that just fills well, the page the week before you obviously had the stuff where Carlos and Ferrari were both like, no, we're kind of close to a deal, but we've not really come to mm. agreeable terms yet, but we're working on it. Like, it it felt like it was just something that someone at Ferrari had kind of just almost fed the press to, like, add some weight behind, look, Carlos, you need to sign this lower deal because Lewis is coming. Yeah. Like, you know, just to kind of not, like, not bully him into a, a worse deal, but, like, just put some weight behind their side of it. And no, totally. So I sort of thought, yeah, it's probably one of these things. It's like it's negotiation tactics or whatever. It's it's contract tactics. And or then it was um, F1 stirring the pot to distract from yeah, all that. the other big bit of news which we'll talk about today. Yeah. Yeah, but the Andretti thing, yeah. Yeah, I think like when you got like the likes of 
motorsport and like you know the rep, sort of reputable sources that don't publish the clickbait nonsense i sort of started thinking oh maybe there's a bit of bit of weight to this and then then you had the whole thing where there was like a sort of some sort of rumor going around or whatever some sort of hearsay that Mercedes were like uh, looking to do a press conference at two, and then when that didn't come, I was like, "Oh, maybe it is rumor." And then they eventually came at seven. It was just like, Mercedes and then there's the meeting de- with all this Mercedes staff as yeah, well. Like, gets called into a big Mercedes. Room. Mercedes sort of desperate to get it out there before Ferrari did officially. Of yeah. like, well, thanks, Lewis. The journey's over before Ferrari get to go. Look who signed for us. Yeah, yeah, crazy, yeah. crazy day. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's yeah, get into it. Let's yeah, get into it's happening. It. So, one year into Hamilton's current two-year deal, um, he has decided to leave Mercedes, joins Ferrari on a multi-year deal from the beginning of 2025. Um, obviously, there was a release clause in his contract that he has chosen to activate. Um, it can't have been performance-related because this year's car hasn't even turned a wheel yet. So, there's obviously... He'd obviously put some other clause into his contract that let him just leave as and when he chose to, I guess, which is what he's activated. Um, I mean, it could quite easily be like, you know, if a certain team comes knocking and Mercedes put that in of like, well, it's not going to like banking on, that's not going to happen almost like like footballers and, and like NFL, like certain. Yeah players in certain sports have those kind of clauses, don't they? If a certain team puts in an offer for me, part of my contract is you have to accept it and let me negotiate with them. So it makes sense. wouldn't surprise me you if have it was to something like that. My, yeah, yeah. if it's a specific team. So maybe it was something like that. Maybe. Could have been. Could have been. So I guess a good place to start is why? Like why has Hamilton decided this is... A, the moment to leave Mercedes and B, the moment to join Ferrari. I mean, I don't think there's one answer to that, but there's a, I think there's a lot of factors involved. It's obviously, it's... Is it, it, it's up there with the biggest decisions he's ever made in his career. I still think the McLaren to Mercedes move was a riskier one at the point he made that in his career. And obviously that paid off extremely well for him. So I don't think mm. this is as risky a move, but it's as bigger choice he's made i think it's a huge 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 choice so i think i think there is probably a, a small element i think based on like what the sounds coming from the, the hamilton camp over the last sort of year or two he has seemed more and more and more dejected with f1 you know there's been little room little com- the odd comment here and there about him not being particularly happy about the way Mercedes are running the car, the way the, the, the design direction they're taking with the car. You know, there was, he famously said something along the lines of, I told you so about something to them, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, further, you know, way back in the beginning of 2023, I think it might have been, and where he was, I think that the whole thing about him being sat foot too far, without getting into the weeds, the whole thing about him being sat too far forward in, too far forward in the car. And then you hear James Allison saying, doesn't really make a difference where you're sat in the car. If you've got the right feeling from the car, then where you're sitting shouldn't matter. So there's, to me, I feel like there's like a little undertone there of like disagreement between them, which maybe yeah, like might a have been rumbling. Yeah, a bit of a disconnect that might have been rumbling along for a long time that no one really necessarily knew much about. Um, so, and, you know, when you look at where Mercedes have been this last two years, last year, 
they won a race in 2022. They won in Brazil, didn't they? Even though it wasn't Hamilton who won in Brazil, it was Russell who won in Brazil. Yeah. But Mercedes did win a race. And this year they haven't really looked like winning a race other than maybe at Circuit of the Americas where they kind of gifted the win to Red Bull anyway, and then they were disqualified for being too low. So there's a few... I think there are a few reasons for him to potentially be losing a bit of faith in Mercedes at this point mm. in his career. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have pointed to um, a guy called Loic Serra, who I believe is performance engineer at Mercedes, but he is leaving Mercedes to join Ferrari next year as well. And how much truth there is to this, I don't know, but I've seen a lot of people point to at this point in time when Hamilton was saying one thing about the car and the technical team was saying the opposite, that Loic Serra was kind of the one guy on the engineering side that was kind of on Hamilton's side in those discussions and mm. thought that he should be the one that they were listening to, not just being really engineers we know what we're talking about. So yeah. that could easily be a factor. Um, I also just think Mercedes aren't the team they used to be. Like a lot of both big and unknown names have left that team in recent years. Like obviously Paddy Lowe was a huge part of it. He left. Um, uh, James Vowles was also a huge part of that. He's not there. There's, there's quite a big list of sort of top names that have left in recent years. Red Bull powertrains poached a huge percentage of Mercedes staff to go and set up their powertrains departments. Um up and down the grid, there are ex-Mercedes staff now at other teams. Mm. And I think there has been a little bit of brain drain at that team. And they're maybe not the kind of, from a personnel point of view, the sort of powerhouse they used to be in the kind of winning, what was it, seven or eight titles in a row era. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's definitely an element of that to it, I think. And I mean... <laughs> Ironically, we talked about it very briefly at the end of the last show, Chris. Like, you know, I think a move to Ferrari for Hamilton has always been on the cards somewhat. Like, he's always wanted to maybe go there before he completely retires. And if they've approached him with a with a you know a decent enough offer to go there now, I mean I didn't think they would do that whilst they had Leclerc. I didn't think that they'd want those two drivers side by side. And it was maybe for if things ever went sour with Leclerc or Leclerc decided to move on, whatever, that's when they'd approach Hamilton to to take like the, that seat, not mm. signed to be the one that's kind of pushed out. But yeah, like I think it's, I think it's always been something he's wanted to do for, for a long time. It's just a case of... Um, yeah, I mean, even Toto Wolf was quoted as saying something along the lines of like, we always knew this would come, but we didn't expect it to be, you know, this soon. Um, and I'd probably agree with that. Like, I've I kind of always seen it coming, but just <laughs> nowhere near. It's like, I was thinking like, maybe, I don't know, once he... Once he's forty or something, like how old is he now? He's late, late thirties. Well, he will now. be. For, he will be forty. Yeah, he'll be, oh, he will there you be go then. Ferrari when he joins. So oh, there you go then. Uh, maybe you were right there, but um, <laughs> the, inadvertently I think, I think, right. <laughs> yeah, I think the really interesting side of it for me isn't, isn't necessarily him. Him going to Ferrari is just okay. He's going to Ferrari. Nice one. Great. Good for him. I never expected it, but okay. Interesting that you've made that decision. 
what is interesting to me is Ferrari. Like, what is what is the deal with Ferrari? Like, how has he looked at Ferrari over the last two seasons and seen their stories play out and track and thought, oh, I want a piece of that. You know, other than yeah. like their car being like a bit better than everyone else, but well, not everyone else's, but like competing probably more than anyone else with the Red Bull towards the end of last season. Their strategy last year, last few years, Ferrari's strategy has been, in fact, as long as we've ever been recording this podcast, Ferrari's strategy has been abysmal. And how can you look at that? No matter how fast their car is, when you look at that, you're not, I don't, you can be any, you can be Max Verstappen go to that team. You won't be winning races because the strategies never, never play out for them. They don't think... I, I, I see two answers to that. I think the first part is John Elkin, who's the CEO, chairman. He's, he's He runs yeah. Ferrari, basically. Him and Lewis have been friends for a number of years, apparently. And I feel like as soon as he got an inkling that Lewis was maybe considering leaving Mercedes, he's, it sounds like he's just thrown everything he wants at him to get that deal signed. Yeah. And I think a bigger part is Fred Vasseur. I mm. think if Fred Vasseur wasn't running Ferrari, there's no way this would have happened. Like, but Fred Vasseur now basically has got in two drivers. He's two big kind of protégés from when he was from in F2, GP2 in yeah. feeder series. Yeah, like Leclerc and Hamilton were both bought up through feeder series by yeah. Fred Vasseur. So now the other thing that's interesting as well, that. without jumping the gun, maybe, but like the other thing is like the Leclerc v Hamilton aspect of this is really interesting because yeah. we're finally going to see yeah. if Leclerc is any good. I think, mm-hmm. like, I, you know, he, he if he beats Hamilton, then I will stop calling him the most <laughs> overrated driver in the history of Formula One. Because, you, you know, you'd you'd have to be. I think it, I don't think Hamilton will be too worried about Leclerc, but I don't no. think he will. Either. I don't. I don't think there's really anyone other than possibly Max that would worry him on that grid. I think he would maybe feel. I, I could see him like looking over his shoulder a bit and like thinking, "I've got to get that." most out of this 24-7 if he was in a car alongside Max. But, I mean, Alonso never bothered him. Obviously, George being like the the young sort of new, you know, new hot thing for Mercedes has never bothered him. Like, he just, yeah, I, I can't see Leclerc bothering him that much that it'd get in his head. It's going to be so interesting to see how they stack up against each yeah, other. I, I yeah, I think Leclerc might fall apart completely. I think this could be this could ruin Leclerc's career. Well, <laughs> I mean, it, it definitely could. Yeah, I think I think if if there was someone going to get rattled in that team once Hamilton moved, it's it's going to be Charles, isn't it? It's, it's like yeah, I think when when you pre- look at the, the pressure of having to compete, <clears throat> yeah, the, the, the opening twenty twenty two when Leclerc, yeah, well, the the pre- when he just crumbled under the pressure against. Uh, Verstappen. There were so many mistakes mm-hmm. from Leclerc when he finally got that opportunity to maybe start thinking about fighting for a championship. Of yeah. course, you know the rest of history. It never really worked out for Ferrari or Leclerc throughout, throughout that season, and there were definitely moments of huge brain fade. I think from Leclerc during that, particularly in France, where he just lost the rear going around the final corner in France, end up in the barrier mm-hmm. under his own heavy right foot. It looked like, and you know that's that was pretty widely agreed wasn't it that it was very much driver issue rather than car issue in the end yeah um so yeah and you just don't see hamilton really until recently making those kinds of mistakes so 
another aspect of this is like the car like is the ferrari you know we've seen like world champions go to ferrari and then suddenly just not be anything like as Mm. prolific in the car as what they were in in their previous teams you know like is there something this is going to answer so many questions for us because we're finally going to see if it is the ferrari car and something at ferrari that's just causing problems for drivers because hamilton's Mm. one of the most adaptable one of the best drivers you know in the history of the sport and if he goes there and and can't do an amazing job then no one can i think like yeah it'll just explain everything about all the other amazing drivers that have gone there and you know vettel uh, Alonso. Alonso came close to winning world championships there, but never quite managed it because that was during yeah. the Red Bull domination era, the early Red Bull domination v- era. Vettel. With, yeah. So, yeah. I'm, I'm just so fascinated by this whole thing. I Honestly, I'm, I'm kind of like skipping over 2024 now and just coming back yeah, to right. to see what's going to happen because this is just going to yeah. absolutely transcend the entire season. Yeah. The main thing I care about in 2024 now is finding out who's going to be driving where in 2025. Yeah, yeah, it's so strange. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so fascinating. Um, yeah. And I guess the other factor to him moving now is who's he going to take with him? Yeah, like a lot yeah. of drivers will take their race engineers with them. Are we going to see Bono heading over as well? I mean, looking at the way the Ferrari pit wall works compared to Mercedes pit wall, I can mm. see. If Bono going there and aging about a decade in the first six months of him being there, like that's going to be a, a interesting change if he does do that. Um, I think that's part of. The, I think the only way coming back to like Ferrari strategy and Ferrari operations on race weekends and execution during races, I think the only way you're agreeing to go to that team is if you can bring your own guys in for your race direction, mm, your race strategy, yeah, maybe. and all that kind of thing. Although, um, and you, you're going to gonna s- want based on what you've seen over the last few years, you're going to want some guarantees about like what's going yeah. on in the strategy department. Yeah. How, why have these things happened? You want some explanations before you sign up to this. It has been getting better though. Like second half of last season, I don't remember us really talking about many Ferrari howlers. Like That's I true. do think under Fred Vasseri is gradually improving in that side of things. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, like they must've made some kind of guarantees to him about operationally. Um, and also, like the twenty, the plans for twenty twenty six, like the new uh, regulations, like that's got to be a big part of this as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, um, it's it's similar in a way, I guess, to the Mercedes move you talked about originally, like where you yeah. know, there there must be some like we know for well that the what he, the potential that he saw in the Mercedes stuff when they were trying to purchase it from McLaren. I would imagine that there's something similar that they've essentially been able to show him the potential for for what's going mm. to be going on from from 2026 onwards. Um, yeah, I think so. Because he's not, I mean, he's clued up in that area, isn't he? He's not going to make the, that kind of decision without the info to to kind of not verify, but like give him some confidence in he's that it's going to be a challenging car. Gonna... Yeah have a feel for that guy yeah stuff. well yeah. I, I think as well when you look at hamilton's track record for his for his moves fair enough there's only been really one really huge <laughs> move but like when when he started at mclaren mclaren were the dominant team um he well mclaren and ferrari were the two dominant teams in formula one at that time um then he moved to moved to mercedes just before they became the the dominant team of that era and um you know i've no reason to believe that 
he's not making informed decisions on, on in, yeah. in these moves. Like something, you know, he knows something. That's why he's making the move, right? Like yeah. he's got a track record of getting yeah. it right in the past. So there's no reason to think he can't achieve three out of three and get it right again. Yeah. Another wild thing in this is that Ferrari's last driver's champion was in Hamilton's first year in Formula One. Yeah. And now he's found his way there all these years later. It's <laughs> crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I would, I would. There's like a really beautiful poetry to it, isn't there? Like, yeah, yeah, I would love so much for him to go there and win a title for them after yeah. spending his basically like most of his career fighting at one time or another against Ferraris for him to then yeah. go there and win a title for them. Yeah, it's like he's turned people. to the dark side. Like he's yeah. <laughs> literally like it's just so so crazy. I love it. I love it so much. The only problem is now we're all going to have to become Ferrari fans because like the best British <laughs> watching, driver is a, is a Ferrari driver. Team LH tie themselves in knots over this has been hilarious. Oh yeah, with it with their <laughs> angst for for Ferrari in the past. They're all like, I guess I'm the Tifosi now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Team Tifosi. <laughs> so funny. Oh, it's going to be yeah. wild. I mean, it's um, interesting. Can you be a Hamilton fan and not a Ferrari fan now? Or do you have, do you have I mean, to be both? Of course you can. Like, it's, it, you can support a driver without fully embracing the team. Is that what think. Twitter thinks? Is Twitter going to allow people to do that? Or, or I mean, will they be mobs in the streets going door to door? Oh, it's basically the apocalypse now. Yeah, basically. yeah, it, it, it already is that. You can't like, I don't know, you can't say anything good about Red Bull without Twitter just like dumping you. on you. <laughs> so, you know what's nor can, really you, nor can you about, well, you can't say good about anything good about anything on Twitter without someone doing well, it. Well, yeah, <laughs> Especially in Formula well, 1. Yeah. One thing I've just realised that's going to be really strange is going to Silverstone and the crowd being a sea of red. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's never been. A but thing. will it? Because will I think you know will. if this doesn't come off, if drifts, if if this is all kind of like you know bluster and Mercedes suddenly have a really good car next season, <laughs> is he, is he <laughs> then going to worm his way is, out of like the Ferrari contract? Come back I to think well, yeah. Versus. Like, is is this the is this the point where the the kind of let's say like the national fan base of like i support this driver because they're british and i'm british is this the turning point where you see that shift more towards someone like lando or something like that because like i'm not saying people in britain don't like ferrari as a team but like stereotypically it's always been the like you said the brit driver driving for somebody else against ferrari in yeah, some no. capacity, basically. In recent years, in recent years, yeah. Yeah, I think... like, I mean, what, you've got to go back to... Pff, um, Eddie John Irvine. John maybe? Was he Irish or Northern Irish? I, I, yeah, he's, Ir he's Irish. Eddie Irvine was Irvine. Irish, yeah. Uh, okay, so that you can't count was... as British then, because anyone in Ireland Mansell? listening to this will just... I think, I think Nigel Mansell <laughs> but, was the last British. Yeah, Mansell, Mansell of course. He drove Mansell, yeah. Yeah. Didn't didn't win a title there, but still drove there. I... But again, like in that era, I sort of personally, I kind of forget that Mansell went there. I always remember Mansell as like a Williams driver, Williams for example. Driver, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so I wonder if yeah. this is kind of like I said, that point where the new generation of Brit drivers suddenly get like a bit of a boost in their followings because less people want to kind of make that shift to Ferrari to support. Yeah, Lewis well, I mean, still. Let's I don't not, know. Let's not... 
let's not forget that there are plenty of Ferrari fans in the UK. Oh yeah, that's still, that's know, what I'm saying. Like, plenty it's of people not going it's, around with like Ferrari clothes on. And yeah, like it's not like they don't exist, but it just it feels like a a lesser supported team here when when you compare it to the likes of Mercedes and Red Bull. I would say I don't think that'll be the case in 2025. I think well, that's that's what I think is going to be. <laughs> that's what I think is going to be really interesting. Is like I, say how many people make the switch for for the driver and I like suspect, I said, don't care about the team. I suspect that first run of Ferrari merch with number 44 on it, they yeah. will not be able to make fast enough. Yeah. Do you know? Not be interesting is if he'll get as many. Uh, this is like just going really weird tangent, but will he get <laughs> as many like um, of the custom special caps because Ferrari don't really do that kind of thing. Ferrari, it's bring... a Ferrari cap with your name and number on it and that's about it. Well, here we go then. This is this is where it gets kind of interesting for me. I think the brand that is Lewis Hamilton and like all of all the fashion-y things that he does, Ferrari is so, so far behind with all that stuff. There's nothing yeah. really cool about Ferrari team gear. Yeah. There's nothing... You know, they're not doing anything particularly special with any of like the design work for any of the any of the any of the t-shirts or hats or anything like that. So I think definitely he's going to have an impact on some of that sort of stuff. Like he's going to bring them into probably the, you know, into the new age, into the 21st century kind of thing. Um, and I think like that does, that stretches further than just team gear. I think like it does make Ferrari kind of like a slightly cooler brand because globally he is seen as a pretty cool dude. So yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Cause with yeah, Ferrari, it... it's always very much been <clears throat> Ferrari comes first. Yeah. That's what as I mean. a driver, you're kind of second yeah. fiddle, whereas Hamilton yeah. is very much the brand. So Yeah, is it like is it so is that gonna change? Suddenly is it like you know, who's bigger, Hamilton or Ferrari? Mm. Who who is bigger? Guess we're gonna find out. Yeah, yeah. And like how does that work? Like, do they clash heads and does it just turn into a really toxic, horrible relationship, or do they work together and become a mega, mega, mega brand? It's yeah, yeah. So, many so questions. many layers to it. So yeah. many layers. It's so interesting. Oh, I, I love, love it. It's so exciting. This is the most excited I've been for anything Formula One related in like yeah. a couple of years at least. This has made <laughs> me like interested in Formula One again. <laughs> <laughs> Reinvigorated. Um, so I guess the next question is the enormous gaping void that Hamilton is going to leave behind at Mercedes and who they put in that seat for 2025. Yeah. Because so, we already knew that this driver market was going to be crazy because so many contracts run out this year. This has left a gaping hole in Mercedes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton are intrinsically linked. So the, the hole they've got left to fill isn't just that of a driver. It's a brand ambassador. It's a, you know, it's a designer. It's all these other different things that all these different dynamics that they had together. Even I'm pretty sure he's like, Hamilton's a bit of a shit. Isn't he a shareholder in Ineos or something? Or he's he's got some relation. Obviously, he's got strong connections yeah. to the. It would surprise me if he didn't with Total Wolf. So yeah, there's been talk of him like buying into Manchester United with um, with Ratcliffe with Ineos Group yes. at some point yeah. in the future. So there's definitely like a uh, an ownership connection there on some level, whether it's of the team or not. Who knows? But you know, there is definitely like a high level management connection. Um, that's all gone. That's all obviously going to have to go away. You can't be a driver for one team and then, you know, have an ownership stake in another. It's <laughs> <That's> just <laughs> such a huge conflict of interest. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, who do who? I mean, who could possibly fill that hole? So I guess the 
the easiest option in many ways would be a straight swap with Carlos Sainz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you see Mercedes wanting Sainz? Like, a Sainz and Russell driver pairing doesn't sound terrible on paper, but... Well, I think Russell's in a good. I think Russell is in a good position to be number one driver at that team mm-hmm. at the end of this season after Hamilton. It really, I mean, he might even beat Hamilton. He beat him last year. He might beat him this year. It depends how how good the car is. Because um, yeah. if Hamilton spends, obviously, I can't see this year Hamilton spending loads of time improving the car at the expense of his own championship like he did in twenty twenty two. So, I think we're going to see a real battle between those two this year because before it's been a bit. They've been quite cooperative. Hamilton yeah. and Russell and I think That's now there's point. like less reason to you know there's there's much less reason for Hamilton to do really much improvement to the car if it's not if it's not firing out of the blocks in the first place and he's fighting for a championship yeah. um so that will definitely be a battle and it it'll make it'll either make or break Russell um Russell needs to have the season of his life I think this year because you know Formula One contracts they're not really worth the paper they're written on, are they? Like you can you just look yeah. at Hamilton's break clause in his contract that has got him out of this into uh, Ferrari before he's even engaged in the contract in the first place. Yeah. Um, Russell signs. Would Russell would would signs? Yeah. How long is Russell's contract? Um, he's there until the end of twenty twenty five. Okay. So. He he probably would be you, you'd put Russell number one driver I think in that team unless you get like I think no matter who you get I think Russell's I mean, going to be number one driver there. I mean this is yeah. it this is Russell's chance right like Russell's always been there to go and sit alongside Hamilton for a few years learn and from pick him. up the mantle pick up yeah. the mantle yeah so this is it this is this is his chance to do that yeah this is the transition year for Russell um, who's mm. going to be alongside him so you've got signs sign- written down would yeah, that would be a simple be a- swap bad choice um i mean i guess we can get a little bit after this into other options for signs um i mean in theory ocon should be on the shortlist he's still managed by toto wolf and some mercedes yeah. people in reality i really can't see them going for ocon um, he would be a very distinct number two driver i think yeah i don't think he'd like that one bit like we all know ocon's history of not playing nice on track with teammates. Yeah, that's just not going to work for Mercedes. It's not going to work. No. Um, Toto Wolff has spent the last couple of years telling everyone that Mick Schumacher very much deserves a Formula One seat. So in many ways, this should be his opportunity to put his money where his mouth is. But I also cannot for a second see that happening. Yeah. Oh, he deserves a Formula One seat, but but not a Mercedes. Not this one. Not this this Formula One seat. I said A seat, not this A seat. Um... How do we feel about Albon? I mean, I think it could work. Him and Russell get on really well, um, generally speaking. I don't, Russell, so. I don't think Russell would be too intimidated by him. No, I, and I, I think they get on well enough that they could probably work together to build a car like together, essentially. And yeah, we've yeah, seen the performance work. from Albon in the last couple of years with the Williams. Like, I mean, he had flashes and potential even before that which is why he kind of did manage to work his way up to the Red Bull and to be fair probably a little bit hard done to getting booted out of the Red Bull um, mm-hmm. yeah 
Yeah. Like he he was one of the better second drivers that Red Bull had through this period where they've kind of chopped and changed constantly. Oh, he, he um, should still be at Red Bull, man. Yeah, like, I don't he, I don't think they he, should have ever got Perez rid of him. should never have replaced him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, bonkers to me that that even happened. Yeah, so like I mean, he came close to some you know decent podium finishes and even close to wins if it wasn't for incidents and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I think I think the list. In reality, for Mercedes, probably looks something like Sainz, um, Albon, and maybe Schumacher as a backup if they can't work out anything with either of those two. I mean, there's obviously Antonelli. Like, there's long-term goals for Mercedes to keep developing him and get him in the car after the reg changes. Um, so... Yeah, there's always Antinelli a risk going. I think Anthony is going to Williams. I think I think if you if you're gonna question, should we grab an inbox question to lead go. into this? Actually, yeah. so we don't repeat ourselves. So from uh, Gray Bearing says, "Hey man, if Kimi Antonelli dominates or comfortably wins F2 this year, what do you think the chances are he'll be promoted straight to the second Mercedes seat?" Uh, someone at the race claimed he was significantly faster than anyone else in an F2 test, um, but couldn't find anything that to verify. Uh, would you feel bad for George if Kimmy was promoted straight away and he really is the next Hamilton or Verstappen? No, um, I wouldn't feel bad for him. I mean, no, that's just the sport, it's, isn't it? If the, if the, the yeah, that's kid's skillful enough to do it and got the talent to but do Ant- it. Antonelli is the kind of looming spectre over this in that the general feeling is that he has potential to be the next big thing. Yeah. Mercedes are going to have to find him an F1 seat sooner or later because another team will just snap him up if they don't. Yeah. I get the suspicion um obviously you know there's a lot of factors in this but i get the suspicion that you might see something like the album move happen and them finding a way for antonelli to replace albon at williams as like a nurture Mm -hmm. get him on the grid and and strike some kind of deal of look we want album we want to get him out of contract with you but after this season, when it all goes down, Antonella will come to Williams as a junior, which, probably. Which puts Mercedes in a difficult spot now, because if you were Sainz, Albon, whoever, are you really going to want to sign a deal to go and drive a Mercedes for a year, two tops, knowing yeah. your replacement is already sat there on the grid? I suppose it it depends, doesn't it? Because that that is very much factored on Antonella being what you know being the the talent that they were expecting that, to yes. be I mean, yeah looking at i'm just looking at his racing record now and it's pretty damn good it's pretty yeah he's yeah, like yeah. he but is really good i mean but we're also landstroll won formula europe so <laughs> <laughs> junior results don't always mean everything true <laughs> If you if you could see this list, he's just won everything. No, mate, he has he has basically like won pretty much every series. Is is been in like he's done. Um, he did a lot in karting, didn't he? Won a lot in karting, and then he's done. Where did he do his Formula Four? Was it Europe or was it? It was Italy, wasn't it? It Was the Italian one? I think he's done a few different Formula Regionals. Yeah, and then he's done some. He's done some stuff out in the Middle East, hasn't he? Um, as well. So like he he's won all that stuff that he's been in. He's, so it's he's going to be really season. interesting. Go on. He's his his sort of there is a season hasn't gone by where he hasn't since 
more or less when he started racing. A season hasn't gone by when he hasn't won something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. More and or less. It's mad that we've ended up in a situation where we're talking about a, someone who's not done anything higher than Formula Regional currently about potentially being in an F1 seat in the next few years. But, well, I mean, the last time that probably happened was Verstappen. Yeah. I would yeah, say. Exactly. The last time the last time it was talked about in a serious conversation was probably Verstappen. I would um, go as far as to say, if you're Max Verstappen and you're looking at this kid's record, you're going to be, in a couple of years, looking over your shoulder. Yeah, well, yeah. It may be even already looking over your shoulder thinking, wow, this kid's good. He's going to be, he's going to be great when he gets to Formula One. Yeah. But like, you know, hopefully it translates. It might it could, you know, we see you see other drivers who get to Formula One and the step is just so much higher. Yeah. That it it yeah, they 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 struggle like like I mean, Schumacher, like yeah, that Albon. Ex- exactly with Schumacher. Like that that was the thing that punished him the most. Like we've always seen him been successful in those lower formulas, but being a bit of a slow starter and maybe having a an average season understanding the formula that he's in and then having a stellar season and obviously you don't really get that opportunity in formula one you get your no. shot and if you don't perform you're out um yeah. as as um, he found out yeah we should we should round this sort of bit off about Kimi by just saying we should really keep an eye on him over the 2024 season at premium this f2 season man yeah it's yeah it's gonna be so yeah. good like here it'll be really interesting to see how he does because that's a competitive grid still yeah yeah, you've got, you got Bearman, you've got a bunch of um, others there. You've got some veterans there as well who are, yeah. you know, you, you've got um, your Dr- Drugoviches of the world. He's still yeah. there next year. Like, um, I, you know, I've not really looked at the I mean, for next year. I mean, you've got, you got uh, yeah, another Fittipaldi. <laughs> you've got um, you got Victor Martins who's yeah, you know, been around a little be while now. Underestimated. Uh, trying to think who else there is, but there's plenty. And then waiting there. in Dennis the wings, it's yeah, how good. you've got all these other you got you got the other driver who's gone off to do super formula as well here and there. So yeah, mm-hmm. they'll all be coming through in the next few years if as yeah. as and when the seats become available. Um, it could be that some of these Formula One drivers don't get their contracts renewed. You know, we've got a big old yeah. silly season ahead of us. Lots of contracts up for renewal. It could yeah. be that they don't get renewed and they get new new blood in. I mean, as one example. Um... Ollie Behrman, as well as being named on the Ferrari reserves this year, they've said he's going to be doing six FP1s for Haas this year. There's no way Magnussen and uh, Hulkenberg are both going to be at that team the following year. Like, yeah. mm. Unless Behrman crashes the car six times in his six appearances, <laughs> yeah. I don't see a world in which he's not a Haas driver come 2026. Yeah. 2025. What year you just it? hope that it doesn't do to him what it did to Schumacher being at Haas. Because yeah. the car, I think Schumacher's reputation got torn apart a little bit by being a mm-hmm. house because that car was just, you know, rubbish. Right. It's only because <laughs> the only reason no one's t- ripping into Hulkenberg and Magnussen is because they're they're long term drivers in Formula One. And we know we know they're, yeah, they're known quantitatively. A young driver goes there, they're not immediately good, and then it's like, oh, they're rubbish. They obviously don't deserve their seat in Formula One. Suddenly, and mm-hmm. actually, no, that's not the case. They're just yeah. an absolute abomination of a car. I think by next yeah. year, Haas are going to be a very different team to mm. the Haas that uh, crushed Mick Schumacher's spirit. Yeah. So then Schumacher then. This is interesting. Schumacher to Mercedes to partner George Russell for a I, while. I, 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 I think it's it. I think it's like a backup option, essentially. 
I, I genuinely yeah. think that the I feel the most realistic one is probably Mercedes trying to get hold of Albon and then getting Antonelli in the Williams to replace him and that being some sort of like brokered deal to to make getting hold of Albon easier without Williams putting up as much of a fight. Um I think that yeah, something like Schumacher is a backup, but I would say that even like Science and um Science and maybe even Ocon are probably ahead of Schumacher in that that list. Like so and they're well. they're not first choices, I don't think. Like I mean, I don't think Science would be a bad driver for Mercedes. He doesn't he's not the kind of driver that causes problems, rocks the boat, anything like that. And you know, we, we know he's capable of kind of fairly putting his point across without it being like a dick move. Like he's he's very good with Ferrari of saying, You this is the wrong decision, do this for me instead, like without <laughs> being an arse about it. So I I think he'd fit into Mercedes quite quickly and quite easily. Um and you know, I think he'd be able to do a job for them. He'd be able to score them regular points. Like he is very consistent, but I just think they prefer Albon personally. My conclusion through all the I mean, we've got Vettel written down here, but can you see Vettel That's, coming back? Yeah, I've seen people mention Vettel's name. I can't mm-hmm, see him coming I'm back. Sure. I think I think if Antonelli dominates F two next year, then why not why not just drop Ante Antonelli straight in there in twenty twenty five? Yeah, in which in which case maybe Schumacher for one deal, one, a one year deal would work for them. Um, well, he's going to be well. No, this is, we're talking about twenty twenty five. You wouldn't need that. You just drop Antonelli. No, I suppose you wouldn't. In. Would you know? Of course, yeah. You just drop him straight. Yeah. In. yeah. But I, yeah, I guess the the problem they have is this market is going to start moving really quickly. So if yeah. they yeah. wait to see how Antonelli does, it's already going to be too late for most of the drivers on their list. Well, yeah. Antonelli's still got to prove himself in F two though. Yeah. yeah, but that's the thing. If you get halfway through this year and Antonelli's oh, and not living up to the yeah. hype, every other yeah. driver's been snapped up. At which point, I guess he probably would be Schumacher because there'll be no one left. Um, yeah, well, that's but that's nice to have, right? It's nice to have yeah, a, he's a reasonably good because yeah. your number one for that year is going to be Russell anyway. Yeah. So you might as well chuck you can chuck Schumacher in there. You know, you're probably not beating Red Bull in this era even now, unless they have an amazing season this year and you know things tighten up drastically. Then let's be completely honest. Red Bull are the ones to beat. They're mm-hmm. going to show up to testing and going to be very, very quick with another evolution of an absolute monster of a Formula One car. So I would be very surprised to see anything other than the Red Bull at the top of the timesheets during testing and in Bahrain for the first race. Yeah. Um, these next two seasons are kind of like placeholders for the big rule change coming up in 2026. Exactly. If you can get a young driver in there in 2025 and get him used to F1 before the big rule change, before all, you know, everything gets changed all over again, then at least they've got some seat time in Formula One. They know the crack. They've got, you know, they know how the forces are going to work on their body. They've got the fitness level ready for that champion, potential championship charge in Mm -hmm. 2026. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally agree. Um, (laughs) One thing I enjoyed the other day, uh, going back to Albon, was the rumor mill suddenly started churning this story around that Red Bull had offered Albon a new deal to yeah. secure him and take him off the table for Mercedes, which was swiftly followed by, that's definitely not true. There's a pretty good chance it was Albon's team who started that rumor to try yeah. and get Mercedes to uh, look at him. 
Why not? Very, it's yeah, funny, I mean, the, the, the games that they play, isn't it? The oh, games yeah. they play yeah, yeah. are so funny. Um, yeah. Uh, so science. We want to talk science. about science. So obviously Mercedes is potentially an option for science. If you were him, would you take a risk on going to Sauber for a year, knowing they're about to become Audi? I I can see that being a very logical option for Carlos because there's already a family connection to the Audi Sport Group in that mm-hmm. senior does yeah. a lot of the Dakar stuff with the Audi e-trons yeah, and stuff Raleigh like that at the minute. Yeah, yeah. So there's a connection there. And I w- honestly would not be surprised if the breaking of this news or or maybe even already, maybe this is why contract negotiation negotiations were, you know, not going smoothly with Ferraris because Carlos has had Audi in his ear. Um and yeah, he he was so. like and it, it's there's a there's a two things here like Carlos is playing the well you know Audi want me to go be part of this works team and that that kicks off for 2026 like give me a good deal or that is what I'm going to go for and they're going well we're talking to Hamilton like it they just like they both got okay. like I've got better options what you're going to do about it and ultimately it's going to pan out the way it is so I I feel that that is the most logical option that's why I don't really have him been a big part of this Mercedes like I think Mercedes will have him on the short list but I think science is he put out an interesting statement after all the news broke that like I've already got something in the pipeline like you know as in like you know my fans don't worry I've already got yeah. something you know we're working out the specifics and I, I will announce it soon Especially I've got a suspicion that's Audi because he's clearly been frustrated at Ferrari about only ever getting short-term deals, which is why yeah. him to Mercedes, I think, would surprise me a little. Um, I think I can maybe see a wholesale change at Sauber next year. Um, Bottas and Joe both out, and Signs and Porcher joining. Yeah, Porcher could be a good shout for a Sainz team. Is there ready for the Audi era? Porcher, see how he gets on. I guess. Yeah. We're in um, for the silly season of all silly seasons. Oh, it's going to be wild. I did see hmm. some reports that Aston Martin might be interested in signs, but I think that would rely on Stroll leaving. I mean, maybe they're thinking it's time to sidestep Stroll into WEC. I don't know. Hmm. Again, just back to um, Audi, I think Bottas signs is a pretty good lineup for a brand, brand new Formula One team. It would hmm. be. Yeah. But I also think they've semi-promised Porsche seat. Well, you know, it, <laughs> again, yeah. like, it means nothing. Like, it, no, yeah. Whoever they've promised, whatever, it, none of it means anything until until it's all signed, sealed, sealed, delivered, and you're there at testing, sitting in the car, doing And say, lap. until you're in the car. Yeah. Yeah. You, and even then, <laughs> sometimes. Well, I mean, I mean, look at, look at, um... Piastri. I don't Piastri. know if that's you're going for, no, but... Well, yeah, you ask, maybe Oscar Piastri, but no, I was going to say, look at um, Nick De Vries. Few races yeah, and that's yeah. he's out on his hoof. So, oh, sorry, you mean like even being in the car is not a guarantee? I was thinking more Alpine thinking they'd got a contract with Piastri and him. Being oh, well, like, and that, oh, yeah. no, it's another no, example. you haven't. It's a very valid yeah. example still. Is there anything else kind of drive market related that you have thoughts on off the back of all of this? I, 
can't think of anything. It's um, hard to like. It's hard to put a finger on, but just because there's so many contracts. I mean, without seeing the list, I think it's like half the grid they've got yeah. a contract. At least more, probably more than half the grid have got a contract coming up at the end of 2024. I think you know when you look at, I would say the simple answer to this question is, or the simple question we should be asking is, who is the most at risk of? losing out and not getting a drive for 2025 on the formula one grid mm. so you've got your you've got your lance strolls um your esteban ocon your sergio perez's those kind of drivers who i think potentially could be possibly reaching the end of their careers in formula mm-hmm. one yeah would I you think, say yeah i think i'd agree with that i think Sargent needs to have a huge turnaround in form this year to keep his space i think Magnussen might be in trouble. The last yeah. Magnussen's last Hulkenberg. couple of years haven't yeah. been very convincing. I think I think, I think out, out of the two, Hulkenberg's the one that, based on like recent form, you would probably keep Hulkenberg of the two if you keep of the one two. Of them. I'd keep Hulkenberg. Yeah. You know what's crazy? We're having this conversation now about 2025, <laughs> and we haven't even yeah. started the 2024 season yet. This is how mad this. This is how much this Hamilton stuff has turned it's, the world up. Yeah, shaking everything up. I mean, it's, Hamilton, the musical reference for you. There, happens. If, if <laughs> I enjoyed it. It happens like probably once a decade or something. There's like one big contract, and it just kind of it it ripples throughout all the teams to some degree because that's a big seat move, and there's suddenly a big seat free and it just kind of sends ripples. Like, I mean, obviously Rosberg retiring last minute was a good example of like, who are Mercedes going to put in this seat? What effect does it have? And like, obviously Bottas, then it has an effect on Williams. And like, it's that kind of event again, I think, where you've just got a very unexpected, sudden gap on the grid and a lot of contracts, a lot of contracts that are coming up for expiry at the same time. Like, the the twenty twenty five grid is probably like we've gone from a grid that basically looks almost identical to the way it started last season with little to no movement. Going to twenty twenty five is going to be unrecognizable in comparison that uh, yeah. the the start <laughs> the grid at the start of the season this year is exactly the same as the grid at the end of the season last year. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. twenty three. Yeah. So it's you just could, you could argue obviously yeah, DeFries is the only difference. You could argue that it's the same grid as last year. Yeah from the midpoint of last season. Um, so, yeah, it's very, very static. But I think this Hamilton stuff has just absolutely... You might as well put every driver into a bag and just draw numbers out <laughs> Yeah, at this point. like you, yeah. There's just no way of telling who's going to be... Other than, like, you know, your really, really big names, like Verstappen, who signed up to Red Bull to something like 2027 or something crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Leclerc is obviously multi i mean this is another thing like it, it explains like the devilishly deceptive like crypticness yeah. of 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 what ferrari were doing with leclerc's project with, with leclerc's contract because they just said multi-year deal and were really cryptic about it and never really committed to how long or didn't you know really really secretive about it and this must yeah. be why yeah. they don't want anyone to know like how long days. Well, they don't want anyone to know how long Leclerc's contract is because they want to be able, if Hamilton does an amazing job there, they want to be able to get rid of him and put Behrman in there or, or some other junior, I think. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's insane. But yeah, you're right. Like beyond, obviously we know the two Ferrari seats, Verstappen's going nowhere, Russell's going nowhere. 
beyond those four drivers, I think everything else is up for grabs. Yeah. Pro- no, not even Alonso. Like, even yeah, Alonso, Alonso Aston Martin, I think, could change. Um, I don't think I can see Alonso going to Mercedes, but you also can't rule it out. You can't really. Yeah. I think that would be a bit too chaotic for Mercedes, to be honest. Yeah. But... <laughs> Crazy. Anyway. Right. Let's Should we talk on. about Andretti? Yeah, the, the, the news that this conveniently for Formula One managed to bury. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the short version is after FIA approved their application, Formula One, FOM, have rejected it. They released a pretty lengthy statement of all their reasons for it, which definitely had the air of we had already decided we don't want them. Here are the reasons we've subsequently come up with to back up the... Yeah decision we had already made um i mean should we just kind of go through the main points they made and chop them to pieces yes let's let's try and make it quick yeah Yeah, so the the main points i came up with so they said they didn't believe the presence of an 11th 11th team in general would provide value to the championship value what kind of value define value they well opt to do that okay um one of the uh, you, you, Chris, you be the FIA and I'll yeah. be the rest well, of the no, world. Well, no, FOM. FOM. This sorry, is FOM. Not yeah, sorry. FIA. Oh, God, sorry. You be Fair. FOM. I'll be the rest of the world. <laughs> Go. Uh, the most significant way in which a new entrant would bring value is by being competitive, in particular by competing for podiums and race wins. We do not believe that the applicant would be com- a, a competitive participant. So Based that means, what? yeah, and, and that also means no new team ever then. Ever. I mean, it also eliminates... Why did you let Haas in in the first place? Why did yeah, you let... Yeah. It eliminates um, two-thirds of the current grid. If you're going to say not being competitive means you're not adding value. Yeah, if that's the metric, there, if being competitive is there, the metric, then yeah, why are all those other teams at the bottom? Why insert other team here there? Yeah. Yeah, Part right. of like the idea of a world championship is you have people who are competitive and you have people who are, not competitive, who are less competitive. And what tends to happen is the people who are more competitive tend to beat the people who are less competitive. <laughs> but everyone is competitive on some level. So to say yeah. someone isn't competitive, it's not... It, do you only want people who are just going to be fighting for championships to be entering? Because that's not a realistic expectation. No. Like, What's I, your I next suppose, point, FOM? I suppose <laughs> they're alluding to like the Caterham, HRT, kind of virgin era where you had three new teams come in and they only competed with each other and no one else. But I just yeah, don't believe but, that would be the case again. But there was but the whole problem with that, competitive with each other. With each, with each other. But yeah, exactly. the, the whole problem with that is they gave them that bag of absolute garbage of a Cosworth engine. Well, yeah. And, oh, speaking yeah, of engines. Like, <laughs> speaking of what, sorry? Speaking of engines, that oh, brings us very nicely to the next point. Uh <laughs> The application includes an association with General Motors that does not include initially a power unit supply with an ambition for a full partnership from GM in due course, but this will not be the case for some years. The need for any new team to take a compulsory power unit supply, potentially over a period of several seasons, would be damaging to the prestige and standing of the championship. So what about all the cars running a Mercedes engine? And what about all the cars running a Ferrari engine? Mm -hmm. And what about... Uh, Minardi running a Red Bull powertrain. Like right in now, we have Honda. ten teams and four power units, five power units on the grid. There's a Mercedes, yeah. a Ferrari, Mercedes, Ferrari, uh, Honda, the, the Honda and Red Bull powertrain, I guess. Yeah, and Renault. But, so yeah, there's, there's four yeah, power units, ten teams currently. 
this doesn't apparently... really make any any sense. So like no. having having an engine from an existing supplier is not an option. Is detrimental to the sport. It's detrimental to the sport. So why is that in the rules? Why put it in the rules if you're going to then decide it's detrimental to the sport? Yeah, it's in the rules. It's your own um, rules. <laughs> next point. 2025 will be the last year of the current regulatory cycle and 2026 will be the first year of the subsequent cycle, which we know. Um, the applicant proposes and obviously construct to design and build a car under the 2025 regulations and then in the very next year build a completely different car to 2026 regs. The fact that the applicant proposes to do so gives us reason to question their understanding of the scope of the challenge involved. Patron- it's um, patronising garbage. If they hadn't taken so long, to, I, I believe that they were that Andretti were in for twenty twenty six season. Yeah. Andretti themselves and have said we had no intention that. of ever entering for twenty twenty five for this exact reason. Yeah, and they're talking about yeah. a team and that so builds like indie cars and stuff. Like they're well aware of what it takes to build a race car. Yes, Formula One is a different rule set and a different set of challenges, so, but the fundamentals are the same. Right. To be to play devil's advocate, Andretti do run in a lot of other series where they are very successful. They are primarily more spec series St- yes. than Formula One, so there That's is fair. a difference. However, yeah, there, there is an argument to cast them aside because supplied, they clearly, yeah, an engine supplied and yeah, all this stuff, and you're just putting it all when together. they never intended to do 2025 anyway, like. Yeah, yeah. They, they originally, I think, were going to do 2025, but then because this process became so long and drawn out, they shifted their focus to 2026. Yeah. And they've clearly yeah, already sense. got a, you know, we've seen like wind tunnel footage of a, yeah, what looks very much like a current Formula One car. So they've already built that anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next and most insulting point on this list while the Andretti name carries some recognition for F1 fans, our research indicates that F1 would bring value to the Andretti brand rather than the other way around. Well, what about uh, what what about Visa Cash App RB or whatever that is? Minardi, Stu. Minardi. What about <laughs> what about um, anyone? What about Aston Martin? What about Mercedes? What about Ferrari? What about, you know, people only know who Ferrari are. Ferrari and F1. Because of their history in Formula One and racing. Yeah, it's their history in Formula One. Of course, F1 is going to enhance. That's the whole whole point of sponsorship. Like, Formula One wouldn't be successful without any of the sponsorship. That. Oh, that's ridiculous. That's just so dumb. That's just the 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 opposite of the way the world works. The only team I think. The only team I think you could make an argument that they bring more to F1 than they take from F1 is Ferrari. And even yeah, then maybe, yeah. Even then they're neck and neck. Barely. Yeah. Ferrari ultimately but are still at most There's even F1 a phrase. To, there's even a the phrase. Win on purpose. Sunday. Win on Sunday, sell on Monday. Yeah. 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 Ridiculous! It just doesn't Absolutely fly. Ridiculous! What? What, what um, on earth? Like, what? What planet are they living on? If they expect every team that comes to them to bring value to, to brand I mean, value to Formula One, that makes no sense. It, like, who? Not who to on earth could possibly do that? Who do like, they want? To not join? to completely crap on Williams specifically, because that's not the, the the point I'm trying to make. But who knows Williams outside of Formula One in the grand scheme of things? Like. 
No one. If I spoke to somebody who is not interested in motorsport, even someone who is interested in motorsport but not Formula One specifically, they quite likely don't know who Williams are. They probably know nothing about them, don't even know there's a team called Williams. The names that they know for Formula One are names like Ferrari, Mercedes, because they're car manufacturers. That's it, basically. They don't know who Alpine are, and Alpine are a car manufacturer. Like, the... (laughs) To say, I would guarantee you that more people in the world probably know who Andretti are than Williams, and I think that I wouldn't be far off 100%. with that. Because yeah, I think so. Of the the broadness of like, I mean, maybe in the nineties it was different. Williams was quite a big name in the nineties. You got like the the Clio and all that kind of stuff. But in this day even and then, age, I would say more people know Andretti than Williams. Yeah. I think I don't even think even in the eighties, Tom. I think that's such a specific yeah. reference. There'll be people listening to this who won't know what a Clio Renault was. A Renault Clio Williams. Was. Yeah, the Williams Special Edition Renault Clio. Yeah, yeah. and it was a. If you don't know what that is, look it up. It's a weapon. But most, <laughs> I, I dare bet half the audience listening to this won't know what a Renault Clio Williams bottle is. Yeah, I also bet half the audience wouldn't recognise an Alpine road car if it drove past them. Probably. Well, I mean, I've never, I've never seen one on the road. And that's not an insult. No. That's not an insult to the audience. That's not an insult to the audience. That's just no. It's just like a reference to the fact that Formula One raises awareness. Formula One's job is to raise awareness. As far as Mercedes are concerned, Formula One's job is to raise awareness of their brand. That's why they join. So to say that you, if you are a manufacturer of cars and you want to come to Formula One, you better bring brand value to us is, is basically to saying we're not interested in you and your independent Formula One team on we're just not in, well, we're just not interested because there's nothing you can bring to the table for us. The point of Formula One is to help. Formula One was invented to help people who make fast cars sell their fast cars to the public. Mm. So yeah, they're just the, compl- this comment is backwards. It's completely lost sight I think of the whole completely. reason d'etre for Formula One. I think there's another angle that this comment is quite insulting on as well. Is basically the bit where it's like, while the Andretti name carries recognition for F1 fans, our research shows that we don't give a crap what they think because. The fans might want it, but the potential newbies that we're trying to sell to through Netflix don't give a crap. So we're not interested in having the having them in the sport, whether the fans want it or not. Basically, like and even that the core bizarre. fan base, they're admitting that the core fan base, no Andretti, Do like want Andretti, to. want to see them on the grid. They've literally admitted that in yeah. the statement, and then gone, yeah, but we don't it. care about that because, yeah, <laughs> it's, we have our own, we have our own it opinions. Itself, we, we, ridiculous. This like, whole thing feels like it's been written by like some Karen who's just got beef with Andretti for for even wanting to. Yeah, right. Like, they've just got some vendetta against the way, the way Andretti have gone about this application has very much been coming into this like pre-existing club and shaking things up. And I, I think he's upset a lot of people by doing it that way. And I think this a lot <laughs> of the tone of this comes from that. Yeah, yeah, um, I agree. They also Next said one. that we would look differently on an application for the entry of a team into the 2028 championship with a GM power unit, either as a GM works team or GM customer team. Um, what they are declining to uh, acknowledge in that <laughs> statement is that the next Concord agreement is due to come into effect in 2026, which would give them a nice opportunity to right into the Concord agreement that it's a maximum of 10 teams and then just shut the door to anybody else. Mm. Yeah. Which I 
would not surprise me if that's what they tried to do at all. This has um, got like yeah. anti-cartel lawsuit written all over it. All this stuff. This is and this, this is, is the thing, getting really like, sketchy now. Andretti have obviously said they're going to they're carrying on as if they're going to get an entry and work out their next move. The FIA have said they're going to be having discussions with FOM about this. But if Andretti take this to either the EU or UK courts, I just don't think this rejection is going to fly. Like this rejection essentially says you have ticked all of the boxes of what we asked for in application, but we just don't now like we've you. just decided we don't yeah, like you. Yeah, we just don't like you. I just yeah. don't think that's going to fly if it ends up in the courts. No. Um, Another fun it's detail was that, um, yeah. yeah, it is. It's exactly ironically it is. when they're saying that they want them to be more competitive, yeah. they're being anti-competition. Yeah, so you can't be competitive unless you're on the grid. Like, give them the opportunity yeah. to compete, yeah. and then we'll find out how competitive they are. Yeah. I mean, this is why there's a cost cap, right? The cost cap yeah. was brought in to stop the issues of mm-hmm. those failed three teams that we talked about at the top: the Hispania, um, Virgin slash whatever Manor. else they were called, Manor at the time, yeah. And um, Lotus slash Caterham, as as they yeah. were known through through their time. So, like, that was not the sole reason for the cost cap, obviously, but that was brought in to to essentially kind of try and pin the high performing teams back a little bit, so that yeah, those new teams could come in and know right, nobody can spend more than this unless they've got a huge catering budget. So, <laughs> so they're easier to get on par with. Like, not, not like you're going to just come in and start winning, but it's easier to get up to speed and try to be competitive, like on for podiums and stuff. Yeah. Another yeah. Um, another fun detail that came out of this was that um, as part of the statement, um, Fom said we invited Andretti to a face to face meeting to discuss this, and they never responded. It it sounds like what happened was they sent an email inviting them, an email which ended up in a spam folder or something and wasn't read, and then FOM just didn't bother following that up. They just assumed Andretti were ignoring their invitation rather than actually following it up. And then used that as part of their rejection. Yeah. It's... That's the strangest. Oh, you know, actually, I read about this. It was like, the, so like you'd expect that email to come probably from Stefano, right? Like, that's yeah, the, or that's like the somebody who sends that email, somebody um, within that. Apparently, it was sent from by someone else, and that's why it ended up in a spam folder because it wasn't like a trusted account. Because let's let's be completely honest about this. It's perfectly possible for that to happen because these companies are so secure and there's so much industrial secrecy around yeah. them that they have crazy yeah. crazy crazy secure setup so of course if someone emails you and they're not on your contact list it's a high likelihood that it is going to just yeah. end up in a spam folder it just come from stefano at hotmail.com it? <laughs> yeah <I'm just> <laughs> it's like sending it, from yeah. his personal account like whoopsie <laughs> f1 e, f1 entry at gmail.com <laughs> yeah congratulations you have one entry to f1 <laughs> yeah, yeah. click this link to enter your card details don't forget the concord agreement it's two million euros <laughs> or however many million euros <laughs> hilarious like do you just do i mean you it's think... just ridiculous isn't it yeah. Do you think they realize? Do you think they don't realize how much this is damaging their reputation, or do you think they just don't care? Cause, Fom. Yeah, because this has got the got every F one or the vast majority of F one right. fans. This has really annoyed them. I'll I'll give you a, a hypothetical scenario to 
to think about to answer that question. Bernie Eccleston era or this? Which are you Bernie taking? Bernie Eccleston all day. Bernie, I'll take Bernie over this. Like, this is crazy. That, so this statement, when I started reading it and had to give up because of just the audacity of the things <laughs> that they're saying in it, my instant thought were, and people thought Bernie was bad. Like, like people will want Bernie back at this rate. Like, they, they, those were the immediate thoughts that started going yeah. through my head. Like, they've done, they have done so much good for the sport in the post-Bernie years and built up so much goodwill from fans. And it's like they're now just trying to speed run destroying all of that. Well, that's yeah. because it's a different management team now, isn't it? It's, yeah, it is. Like, it, this I don't, I don't of, think the top brass um, in... Go on, Chris. Sorry. I say this on top of, like, street tracks filling up the calendar that nobody yeah. wants and all of that stuff. Like, yeah. It's just... Uh, it was easy to feel like the people in charge cared about the sport and what the fans wanted. And I think that was true for a while, but it's just doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Yeah. So who like, who is at the top now? Like Ross Braun's not there anymore, is he? Ross Braun's not there. Chase Carey's not there. Chase Carey's not there. Chase Carey's like a, a, is not there, I don't think. a non-exec. The yeah. Yeah. Chase Carey's somewhere around, but he's not like a running the show. He's like a non-exec or something. I think the most significant person, to my knowledge, is Stefano Domenicali. To my knowledge, I don't, I don't know think, who else. I don't like, and I've thought this for a long time. I don't really like what Stefano De is doing at Formula I don't One either. and what he's doing with it. I think we are sort of mm. lurching back into the Bernie era with with Stefano. To be honest, I think he's he's the same sort of. If I think Stefano De might even think he is Bernie Eccleston, the yeah. way some of these things are being operated, and and just the falsehoods that that seem to come from the top. The Formula yeah. One, like everyone loves sprint races. No, we don't. Like the 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 Formula One fan base speaking at large really dislikes sprint races, and yet he he's just always banging on about how much we all love them. We don't love them. We most of us really really don't love them. So mm-hmm. think of something else. But you know, yeah, he, he just says whatever the board want. What he thinks the board want to hear. I think. Yeah, they they just <laughs> it's... they they apply their opinion or decision to everything with no regard for what anyone else cares about at the moment. And yeah. I mean, yeah, I would probably say that as much as I liked Stefano when he was part of Ferrari, this this era of form being an issue, like we give the FIA quite a lot of stick for things on this podcast, but there is a very clear distinction when, you know, this is not, the FIA were ready to have Andretti come in essentially, weren't they? They've signed everything off. Like this is Formula One management. And sometimes I think the FIA gets stick for things that are actually FOM's fault and, or whatever they're calling themselves now, like Formula One group, whatever it's it's called now. But yeah, it, it, this is one of those things where I think people just need to be 100% clued up on this is Formula One management that are yeah, not screwing Andretti over, not the FIA, because sometimes the FIA do get blamed for things that aren't actually so, in their control. But this like kind of downhill slide of the FOM situation that I was kind of getting to originally, 
it's probably started over the last two or three years, and that is the time that Domenic Harley has been in charge of it. Yeah. It's in, like you say, it's in most of the big hitters that were running it early doors and like bringing these new innovative changes to it to, to improve things. They're pretty much all gone. Ross Braun officially like kind of re-retired and doesn't have anything to do with it anymore. I think that's probably a significant loss for this kind of committee, let's call it, that run the sport. Yeah. Um, it felt like it was so, in responsible hands when he was around and now it just feels like it yeah. isn't anymore. I mean, but I think, like, fair, I think, I think it, what you touched on a moment ago with, um, the FIA, you know, people hating on the FIA and people sort of kind of being behind from, I think, uh, I think what's happening here is Andretti are getting caught in the crossfire between the FIA and from possibly. Yes. This this is not a a letter written to, you know, to, to, to have a go at Andretti. This is a letter having a go at the FIA for approving Andretti without Mm -hmm. prior consultation to prior consultation of from that's all this is. We all know Andretti are perfectly capable Formula One team who are who probably probably wouldn't be like amazingly competitive straight away, but if they're in it for the long haul, then I'm sure they could quite quickly work their way up into competitiveness because they're such a powerful motorsports team. It's the yeah. fact that the FIA have approved this before FOM have, and FOM are basically throwing their toys out the pram saying you can't approve anything without our say. Mm-hmm. That's what this is. That's exactly what this is. Yeah. yeah, it's there's there's been a bit of a cold war brewing between the two sides for a couple of years now, and this is kind of this feels like this could be a bit of a spark that like really pushes that relationship to breaking point. And I think so. I don't yeah. really know how that's going to play out, but yeah, Andretti are deficits like they're the kind of and let's not forget party stuck in the middle. For FOM Formula One is rented off of the FIA; it's not owned by FOM. So really, uh, I'm sure there's lots of complicated contracts and all kinds of like clauses and this, that, and the other that that give them sort of stewardship over the sport. But ultimately, the ownership of the sport does rest with the FIA, whatever you think of the FIA, whatever you think of Ben, mm-hmm. ben Suleum and all that. It is, you know, it's, for, it's, it's the FIA's sport, not FOM's sport. Yeah. That's why we follow the FIA's rules. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like the Formula One World Championship is the FIA's property, and that's not going to change. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. Yeah. Right. Should we quickly do the last couple of questions in the inbox before we wrap up? Yeah. Sure. Um, I suppose we should do the jingle. Oh yeah. Sorry. <laughs> all all this has just distracted me so much. I've kind of forgot what we're supposed to be doing. Sorry. <laughs> Um, do you want me to do the first one because it's quite a long one and I've pre-read it, so I'll yeah, go for it, it. And get get the points. Uh, so <laughs> Blaze Twenty Ten. Uh, we did promise we'd talk about Hass at the top of the show, so this is the Hass section. Um, <laughs> So Blaze 2010 says, uh, they fired Gunther, the only likable part of the brand. They promoted Ao uh, Kamatsu, who was head of Trackside, which is a bit of a nothing move, unless he has the people skills that Gunther lacked. Um, <laughs> they also promoted Andrea Desordo from chief designer to technical director, who replaces Simone Resta, who were both throwaways from Ferrari downsizing. And the last three cars they designed don't say good things about their value. Um, you might have seen that... Um, 
Komatsu basically said that they're going to start at the back of the grid this year based on kind of the preparation. Uh, so, yeah, the question is, are those comments fair? Um, has been riding for his coattails and picking up scraps for four years now, and they don't seem to be good ones. Um, will he be able to actually do something about them starting at the back? Um, hmm. I'm not sure I entirely agree about Gunther being the only likable part of the brand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is Magnuson's but... daughter. It's, that's always, <laughs> yeah. it's always a nice sight when he comes and plonks her in the cockpit. I mean, it's very honest of um, our Komatsu to be like, yeah, we're going to be terrible at the start of the season. Like, he's he's preset expectations as low as they possibly could be set. Maybe it's a strategy. Maybe the car turns up and it's blistering. I mean... <laughs> the, the look on talk- Stu's face as I say that, I just like, no, Tom. No. No. <laughs> Yeah, like I want to believe that they promoted him to that job because they think he'll be able to do it, not because he was the easiest and cheapest person to promote. But with yeah. Gene Haas, who seems to want to just exist in the sport, spending as little money as possible on it. I don't know. I mean, it's a great pl- Well, let's let's just go back to the value aspect of being in Formula 1. It's a, Formula 1's a great place for Haas to be because being in Formula 1 means that they get eyes on all of their tool creation tools yeah. for their main target audience, which is, you know, really, really high tech, high precision production companies that need really, really, really accurate tools with really, really high tolerances. So, you know, Haas are getting a lot of value for Formula One. So it mm. makes sense for Gene Haas to want to use his marketing tool, which is Formula One, and get the best possible price for it without, you know, spend as little as possible and still have that presence. Yeah. So, yeah, they do get a lot of value out of uh, Formula One, do Haas. And that's but what value do they bring to Formula One, Stu? Absolutely <laughs> none. They run no. around the back of the grid and uh, they're, they're they there. Provide, they? They're, they're they, the 10th team on the grid. Yeah, and I, I, I don't have much faith. I think regardless of who the pers- personnel are there, I just don't have much faith in them being anywhere other than if not at the back towards the back, yeah. I just don't. But the see thing a is, like, past that. when you look when you look at it through that lens, right? When you look at a Formula One team through that lens, how uh, and you take out the position on the grid, how a Haas any different from Mercedes? Because that's all it is to Mercedes as well. It's just Mercedes pack a lot more, yeah, put a lot more money into it because they want to win. They're okay. using it and wanting to win, but at the same time, it is just a marketing tool for them. It's not. They don't need to be there. Yeah. And yeah. that's the thing, Gene Haas has multiple times said as much, like, I am in this sport because at the point we joined it, it was a fairly cheap option um, and it gets lots of eyes on my brands. Like, that's why he's there. So, yeah, yeah, I can't see them being anything other than that anytime soon, unfortunately. Yeah. At yeah. risk of maybe slightly validating um, Fom's point about bringing value to F1, I think Fom probably do need big brands like you know, like Mercedes, like Ferrari, like Audi, yeah. to to maintain their status as like the premier place to be for for motorsport. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but at the same time, like you you can't you're never going to have a series that's made up entirely of huge brands like that because there's just not enough of them in the world with the desire or the budget to to throw at it. You have to yeah. accept that there are going to be teams that maybe aren't necessarily you know huge powerhouses in global economics that are going to want to have a team there. That's what the sponsorship, well, no, that's what the sponsorship spots slots are for. So yeah. yeah, the whole, like the whole thing. I mean, my point here is just, 
not I don't, I don't really mind what Haas do. I, they bring what what do Haas bring to the table? They bring two more cars and two more drivers and two more competitors yeah. to yeah. a grid, and that's what we want to see. We want to see good drivers, good personalities battling it out on track. Surely that should be like yeah. the priority. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A full grid should be the priority, right? Like twenty, yeah. what twenty six cars? I think they've uh, got space for. Yeah, yeah. For now. That's what that should be the priority. Yeah, as of twenty twenty six, they'll be. A, <laughs> they're going to change it to twenty. Yeah, I think sure. it's stupid. Yeah. Uh, the other one, uh, Jay Vallas sent in. Uh, so removing the limits from uh, of what's plausible. If you could have any living F one driver that is not in real contention for the seat next to Georgia. At Mercedes, who would you pick? Personally, uh, would go with Kimi Raikkonen, just because why not? So, what do we think on that basis? So, living F one drivers, so they don't have to be necessarily on the grid right now. They just have to be yeah. alive and have Some, been someone who has driver. been in the sport at some point and could legitimately return. Martin Brundle. <laughs> <laughs> finally get but, finally get but, a win. Still give him a mic so he can commentate on the races. <laughs> yeah, he's doing I mean, he's good at that. He is good at yeah. commentating on what's happening in a car whilst driving it fast. So, Jensen yeah. Button. I mean, I, I think everybody. Who, see more Jensen. I think everybody who listens to this show knew that's where I was going before yeah. I said <laughs> it. Would so. all, I think it would also be a great t- time for um, Mika Hakkinen to finally come back from his sabbatical. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's technically still on. Yeah. Alan Prost. Yeah, there's a there's a part of me that I'd like to see Vettel come back for just this one song year, but in reality, Jacques I can't Villeneuve. see it going well. Jacques, Jacques Villeneuve, definitely oh, no. not Jacques Villeneuve. <laughs> no, come on, shoot. <laughs> uh, right, should we should we wrap things up at that point in time? Yeah. Um, well, thank you for joining us for this podcast that wasn't even planned a couple of days ago, but uh, Lewis Hamilton <laughs> <Yesterday>. changed that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, we're sort of in car launch territory we've already had two livery launches we've not really touched on them much um once we've had a few more we'll do our usual giving them a proper discussion and a, and a ranking and stuff um so far so meh from what we've seen but hopefully there'll be some more interesting ones um so yeah we'll be back soon with some of that content uh, if you want to send us questions and stuff in the meantime you can find us in all the usual places facebook twitter all of that stuff if you'd like to get involved with our Discord, you can go to patreon.com slash back of the grid and you can find out how to do that. Uh, if you watch us on YouTube, don't forget to give us a, a like and a subscription while you're there. All that stuff's extremely helpful. Um, and I think that's all the things. So thanks again for joining us and we will speak to you soon. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.